Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, July 28, 2020. Welcome, everybody, to Muni Lowdown. And today, we have a very simple but very fascinating show. We've got Caitlin Devitt from in Chicago and Patrick Ferguson in New York. Welcome, everybody. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Young. All right. So we usually talk about simple muni bond holding and so forth, but this is, I wouldn't quite say sex, drugs, and rock and roll, but um, <laughs> we got some, we, we've got some certain elements of this story. We've got one of the largest players in, muni, in the muni bond, muni bond universe and a scandal involving uh, the Speaker of the House in the state of Ohio. So basically, to our audience, we've got Nuveen's high-yield muni bond fund and intermediate duration. Well, basically, they're fund holdings, and they have a lot of holdings on in Energy Harbor Corp, which is the power company at the heart of a scandal in Ohio that saw its stocks drop by, let's, I think it was more than 20% last week. Now, Kayla David, uh, you were the lead uh, reporter on the story. Why don't you start, tell us about what you found out in terms of Nuveen and their holdings? Um, sure. Well, like you say, they, they're um, big ho holders of Energy Hardcore, which is a subsidiary of First Energy, um, which is the, 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 uh, the company that's kind of at the heart of that scandal, which was huge news last week. I mean, Patrick can get a little bit more into it, but the feds, on I think it was last Wednesday, you know, arrested this the uh, the Ohio Speaker of the House and and his top aides and some lobbyists for what they say is a sixty one million dollar bribery scheme to pass legislation that was favorable to to First Energy, and so we started to look at Nuveen's holdings because Nuveen is a big holder of it, and like you said, their high yield muni fund and their intermediate duration municipal bond fund, both of their top holdings are Energy Harbor. Um, and in fact, Naveen holds like 35% of the energy companies in direct equity. It's a top owner along with Avenue Capital, which is an investment company that buys distressed debt. So the way that works is when First Energy, they, they went through bankruptcy in, in uh, early or spring, I think around March of 2018. And, and, Nuveen was a big bondholder, and so when they came out as part of the bankruptcy exit package, they came out as one of the as one of the top owners of the company. So they own shares because some of the bonds were converted to um, equity in the bankruptcy process, and so they own equity and they own bonds, and they own it across, as I said, in several of their muni funds. Um, it's a little rare to have that those equities in these municipal funds. Um, so that's sort of an interesting aspect of it. And as I said, it's the top holdings in a couple real high-profile funds, including the, the high-yield municipal bond fund. All right. And so, Pat, you want to talk about uh, Energy Harbor, which is the new name for First Energy Corp, as Caitlin mentioned? Yeah. First Energy Solutions. Yeah, so I'll touch upon the complaint uh, very quickly. So the complaint stated from March 2017 to March uh, 2020, Generation Now 
uh, funneled $60 million to Larry Householder and his team of lobbyists and advisors to support the passage of this bill. So this bill was passed in 2000, uh, July 2019, and it provides tax credits and direct payments to uh, Harbor Energy. So if we take a look back, so First Energy uh, had a subsidiary called First Energy Solutions, and what it did was place its competitive assets into First Energy Solutions. So these are assets that operate in uh, a competitive market. This competitive market is PJM, and this market spans much of the Mid-Atlantic, uh, going from Ohio over to Delaware, Pennsylvania. And so these two power plants, the Betsy Davis power plant and the Perry power plant, nuclear plants, um, were placed into Energy Harbor, and they uh, received these tax credits and direct payments because basically they were unable to compete in this competitive market. They couldn't sell uh, energy low enough. So they got this bill passed uh, basically saying it's for the benefit of the state, it's for the benefit of consumers to have this energy online. So that bill was passed in July 2019. And from that, there was already workings uh, to get a referendum to place, uh, to shoot that bill down in, uh, the refer referendum would have been November of this year, uh, but the referendum initiative was uh, uh, failed or was, uh, they, they stopped it in January of this year. And if we take a look at the complaint uh, from the FBI, there was already workings with the Generation Now, already working with some of the lobbyists uh, that were arrested uh, with them trying to shut down this referendum. They took out ads, they were called people, just all these kind of dealings working. They allege, deal, allege dealings working with uh, uh, politicians to, to get this uh, referendum um, uh, shot down. And kind of an interesting point, so if the referendum, if it would have uh, gone through, if it would have been on the ballot in November, we would have likely had a court stay House Bill 6, so then it would uh, maybe prolong uh, uh, the implementation of House Bill 6 uh, in there. So what we're, what we're looking at now is um, a $60 million uh, bribery charge, and uh, a lot of the companies, uh, so First Energy Solutions, um, some other power or utility, utilities and power generators, AEP, uh, you know, have all come out with statements saying, uh, you know, we're going to comply with the investigation, you know, hold responsibility. And uh, so we're just kind of uh, waiting on that. Um, what a lot of people uh, or interest groups are, are calling for is the repeal of House Bill 6. And uh, mm -hmm. that, that could potentially uh, just uh, doom those, those, those two power plants and then, and, and, uh, and kind of and roll back this kind of legislation, that legislation, which we've seen other states uh, pursue as well to keep these aging, uh, both nuclear and coal, in this case nuclear, but then uh, both nuclear and coal uh, power plants online, even though they can't compete in the marketplace. Yeah, very interesting. And and talk about a, a name that is obviously clearly destined for his position, Larry Householder, Speaker of the House. I don't know. I, you, you can't make this stuff up sometimes. <laughs> He's sort of a longtime figure, I think, in Ohio. He had been um, he was a politician for um, in the early 2000s and then it stepped down, I think, amid allegations of corruption that were never proven. 
And then he came back, and it's interesting if you read the complaint that he was sort of financed his um, his comeback. Seems like you know, according to the feds, it was sort of financed um, by First Energy, and and so that it, it. And I think Pat, isn't it like he took, he got the he became speaker in like January, and then you said it was July that it. I mean, it was very very quick when you know mm-hmm. he ascended and when the bill was introduced and when it was passed. Um, and also, you know, according to the complaint, those nuclear, those two nuclear assets are really not profitable in any way. And so if, and, you know, like Pat said, I mean, Ohioans are charged monthly for this. This is a, I think like a one and a half billion dollar bailout or something. It's, it's really a big amount of money. So if, and the governor, um, DeWine support now says he supports that repealing that. So if that bill is, so if that law is repealed, um, then it sort of leaves these, it leaves Energy Harbor with these sort of possibly unprofitable assets to sort of scramble to figure out another way to deal with that. Interesting to know too. So uh, consumers have already been charged for some of that, uh, had already had surcharges placed on their bills for some of the, uh, uh, to keep those power plants uh, afloat. So I don't know if they would be looking to get some money. I mean, depending on what happens, maybe looking to get some money back. Um, and it's, it's going to be, I just definitely throws a, a, a wrench in the works in terms of other states um, passing similar legislation, I, I would imagine. Yeah, very interesting indeed. Um, but I know uh, both of you will uh, continue to monitor the situation. We'll find out what else is going on here. Uh, I know uh, in the article at the press time, uh, Nuveen never got back to you, but it's something that we'll definitely keep uh, our, our eyes on. All right, Caitlin. So let's uh, swing it back t- to you, and I w- let's find out what else you found out about Nuveen. Well, I mean, I think as, as a lot of our listeners might know, Nuveen's, you know, high yield fund. I mean, this is true of the whole market. We saw that uh, that market turmoil in late March, and um, a lot of the high yield stuff has taken a beating. Um, some expect to see more kind of fall, the, another shoe to drop with some um, high yield credits as the pandemic continues. So anyway, the fund, like a lot of other funds, has been under pressure. Um, and as I said, it's the, on the high yield muni fund, it's top holding is Energy Harbor. It's, that accounts for almost 4% of the, the, uh, the holdings. And that's a market value of about 750, around 750 million as of June 30th. Um, so that's kind of a lot. It also holds, holds it in the, interme- in the intermediate muni fund. It's about 1.1% of its holdings. And it also, if you start looking at the holdings, it's, it's a, as I said earlier, it's kind of across the funds. That includes state funds, like the Wisconsin Fund, the Virginia, Kansas, Ohio, of course, you know, which the Ohio makes sense, the All-American Municipal Bond Fund, the Strategic Municipal Opportunities Fund, the Short Duration Fund, the Short-Term Muni Bond Fund. So it'll be interesting for us, as you said at the beginning of the show, that it's, you know, it's, it's, this, it's this huge player in the market, especially in the high-yield market to watch Nuveen, um, to watch these holdings. And as, as last week, we saw a big drop in the shares after the scandal, after the arrests were announced. So it'll be interesting to kind of continue to follow it and see how it affects Nuveen and if it affects Nuveen, which is, you know, which really plays a role with the company and, and has a lot of its shares and debt. 
I see. D yes, like you said, we're good. we'll say for the, for the umpteenth time, very big player in the high yield market. Pat, anything else you found out interesting in the filings that you read? Well, just looking at the, the referendum and going through the complaint, the, the complaint alleges uh, that the Speaker of the House and some of his, the lobbyists and advisors that that he worked with, you know, were already kind of planning to try to take down this referendum. So it says, for example, on July 22nd, 2019, the day before the bill passed the Senate, Clark, which uh, the lobbyist who was arrested, discussed a potential referendum during a recorded conversation. He explained that it would piss the speaker off. And if the opposition succeeded in getting on the ballot in 20, 2021, the bill would be stayed until then. Clark further explained that he was in charge of effort to kill the signature collection effort for the speaker and estimated that it had a 20% success rate. So it just this complaint is a, a pretty uh, detailed, um, just going through the different conversations, text messages, uh, it's just kind of inner workings of what seemed to be this group of people and in, 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 in an organization to, to, uh, to shut this referendum down. So we should say, I mean, I guess you sh we should note that, that First Energy is not actually named in the complaint. It's just company right. A, but it's pretty mm -hmm. identifiable by the details in the, in the complaint. Yes, that's very important. Yes, that's correct. Thanks, Caitlin. All right. Well, very interesting story, very fascinating, and we'll keep, definitely keep eyes on this. So, Caitlin, Patrick, thank you so much for your time today, and please stay safe out there. Thanks. You too. Thank you. And that is our show for today. Many thanks again to Caitlin Devitt in Chicago, Patrick Ferguson here in New York, and Christian Ayala also here in New York as our producer, keeping our mics in check. But as always, thanks to your listeners out there. Staying safe, staying cool in this hot weather, especially on the East Coast. Stay safe out there. And hopefully you're tuning in next week on the latest on Distressed Muni Debt on the Muni Lowdown. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.